possibility. At Babby's house, Babby's house, everybody is family. Welcome to Babby's house. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Babby's house where everybody is a member of the family and that certainly includes you. Thank you for joining me today. I'm so blessed and honored that you take time out of your busy day to join me. I'm so honored today to have as my very special guest, Dr. Erwin Lutzer. Dr. Erwin Lutzer uh, has been a pastor at the Moody Church in Chicago uh, for probably 35 years or more. He now is in the position of Pastor Emeritus. He has been a leading voice in the Christian community, has written many books to challenge and rally believers to stand up for the cause of Christ. He is the author of his most recent book called We Will Not Be Silenced, Responding Courageously to Our Culture's Assault on Christianity. First of all, let me welcome you, Dr. Lutzer, to the show. Thank you for joining me today. I, I'm so glad to be with you today, Babby, and to see that all that God is doing through your life and the blessing that you are to so many people. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that word of encouragement. And likewise, Dr. Lutzer, I have um, been taking notes with you and on you and for you for decades. I've been a friend of the Moody Church. I've come to the Moody Church for Friday Night Sings. You're a part of my story. You're a part of the DNA of my ministry. And I thank you for the contribution that you've made to, to the church at large. But personally, I'm blessed with the contribution that you have made and put into my life as a believer and as a growing believer in the Lord. Um, thank you for that. Thank you for your contribution to what you're doing to the church. Thank you, Babby. Well, you have written a, a, a great book. It's a timely book called We Will Not Be Silenced, Responding Courageously to Our Culture's Assault on Christianity. And certainly we can see this assault. You don't have, you don't have to be blind to see that the enemy has an assault on today's church. So tell us why you wrote this book called We Will Not Be Silenced. You know, Babby, I wrote the book because I began to realize that the radical left does not believe that America can be fixed. It has to be destroyed. Our, our history has to be attacked. And on the rubble of our Judeo-Christian history, a new America will arise. It'll be free of racism and white supremacy and income inequality and so forth. And really, as I began to realize this, this is based on a view of cultural Marxism. Now, cultural Marxism differs from classical Marxism, where you had those revolutions in China and in uh, Russia, for example. Cultural Marxism says we can achieve the same goals if we do it incrementally. And people will choose Marxism and socialism because they want to, because they will see its benefits. So what we have to do is to capture all of the institutions. We have to capture education, uh, the arts, the media, politicians. And so with the right use of um, you know, events and situations, we can bring it in. Now, Babby, this is very critical because Marx saw the unit of the family as an obstacle to Marxism because Remember, for him, 
oppression was the key to history. And we'll talk about that more when we talk about racism in a few moments, as I'm sure we will. But what Marx said is the family has to be destroyed because men oppress their wives, children oppress their children, uh, parents oppress their children. They take them to church and God is the ultimate oppressor. So if we can get rid of oppression, people will live with such harmony, we won't even need laws. So you can see that even the destruction of the family really serves Marxist ends. And um, as I mentioned, when it's applied to history, the idea is that our history has to be destroyed because uh, America has been so racist and we all know the evils of slavery. But based on that, what they want to do is to discredit everything that is America. Let me ask you this, Dr. Lutzer. When I was a child, I grew up a preacher's daughter, not, not far from Chicago, just up 94 a ways in, in Michigan, Southern Michigan. And uh, as growing up as a preacher's daughter in Southern Michigan, I heard my father preach on subjects about the coming of Christ and the persecution of the church. I saw movies and uh, like uh, Left Behind and other movies that we saw in the 70s and 80s. I read books uh, uh, about those who were martyrs and heard their stories in the uh, onset of the persecution of the church. Uh, like a kid in the backseat of the car on their way to grandmother's house. Are we there yet? Are, are we in the throes of the, the days of the persecution of the church? Absolutely. The difference between us and Russia and China is this, that in those countries, if you disagree with the establishment, you could be killed. In America, you can be canceled. But that cancel culture might mean that your life is destroyed, your vocation is destroyed, your reputation is destroyed. So that's really the difference. And uh, what we need to do, and I'm gonna make this prediction, okay? I'm not a prophet, and there are many prophets out there that have been wrong about a lot of things, so I'm very careful. But the day is going to come that what is canceled today is going to be criminalized tomorrow. Because it is not simply necessary for the radical left, they take evil and call it good but their job is not yet finished. They also now have to take that which is good and call it evil. Now that might seem extreme, but that's where we're going in our culture and we need to be very careful about it. And, you know, I know that you would have an interest in this and all of the other people also who are watching, the whole interest, for example, in race, because even Marxism is applied to racial issues. The intention of many of our uh, universities when they have diversity studies is not to bring the races together, but to keep them separated, to keep them shouting at each other, to bring about a situation where the oppressed, here we go back to Marx again, overcome the oppressors, and that's the goal. And while I'm on the subject, I have to say that the Church of Jesus Christ actually has the answer for the racial issues. And then later on, we'll also go back to the freedom of religion um, issue that you mentioned a moment ago. And that is this, Babby. What we, we realize when we read the New Testament is there isn't that much difference between us because yes. we're all sinners. 
We all come to the foot of the cross, acknowledging our great need in repentance and faith. We become members of the body of Christ. There are no black spaces and white spaces and brown spaces at the table of the Lord. And then we ask ourselves, what can we do together to make things better? That's the Christian answer to the issue of race. In other words, to put it very succinctly, Christianity says, we don't have a skin problem, we have a sin problem. And that's really what uh, divides us. So one of the reasons I wrote the book is so that parents would understand why is it that when I send my child to university, they come back hating America. And mm. um, I explain that in the book as to what is taught in our universities so they might understand that. But it's resulted in what you brought up, namely Christians being targeted. And if I might say it very plainly, uh, it's to the point where there is no place for Christians to hide. If you think of what is going on in our culture, there are so many pressures through laws, but also through culture, that Christians no longer are going to be able to remain neutral they're going to have to declare themselves and take the consequences. Let me talk. Let me ask you this. In your title of your book, We Will Not Be Silenced, Responding Courageously to Our Culture's Assault on Christianity, one of the tactics that this movement uses is fear and striking fear in those of us who are believers, those of us who love um, America for the reasons that she has been uh set high on a pedestal, the reason why she is considered a light in the midst of darkness, because our our country is founded on biblical principles. Can you talk about this, the tactic to keep believers full of fear so that we will not speak out for the cause of Christ? Can you talk about that? There's a very, uh, that's a very important question. In my book, We Will Not Be Silenced, I do have a chapter on propaganda. And remember, the purpose of propaganda is to so shape people's view of reality that even when faced with a mountain of evidence, they will not change their mind. And there are two powerful forces. One is fear, and the other is hate. You know, when Hitler wanted to unify the German people, he made sure that they had someone to hate. That, of course, was the Jews. And then he used fear to keep people in line. And he talked about mass suggestion. Now, once again, I'm not saying that the radical left are Nazis. I think that that's extreme and we should not talk in those terms. But the same kind of propaganda is being used today. And even the pandemic is used as an instrument of fear. And uh, when people, when people are afraid they can be led very easily. They will actually do what is happening in our culture today. Our culture is saying, we will keep you safe, but in order to do that, we need to take your freedoms away. And so what happens is you have individual freedoms being compromised. As you know, people are being deplatformed, and once somebody is being deplatformed, everyone else has to chime in to show that they are part of what is happening. And so fear is very important to keep people in line, hate and fear. And that's answering your question exactly. 
And um, of course, the Christians should respond to this very differently. I want to give you one example of what I call collective demonization. Collective demonization is, as I've already mentioned, where one person is deplatformed, everyone else has to follow suit. In Hitler's Germany, there were churches that would put up a Nazi flag on their door, signaling, when you come for Christians, don't come for us because we are on your side. Now, there's an example of fear and keeping people in line and the people having to prove that they are on the right side of history or whatever. And certainly that is happening in our culture. Let me talk to you. Let me ask you this question con concerning uh, reconciliation. Um, you know, we, we're talking about some of the things, the moves of, of this Marxist uh, power. Uh, let, let's talk about what God is doing and what believers should be doing concerning celebrating reconciliation and the power of unity in the church. Um, I was reading just the other day about uh, in John chapter 17, of uh, how Jesus prayed that we would be one just as Jesus and the Father are one. So I, I want to just bring out the fact that Jesus wants us to be reconciled to him and he wants us to be reconciled and in unity with one another. Can you just highlight that? Just talk about the, the prayer of Jesus and how he wants us to walk in unity. You know, Babby, you have sung at Moody Church many times. That's where we got to know you. On any given Sunday, there were 70 countries of origin that were present at the Moody Church. And I used to tell them that we are actually gearing up for heaven because in heaven, as it says in Revelation chapter 5, there are going to be people from every tongue and nation and language, and they are all going to be around the throne. And what unites us, to refer to the prayer in John 17, is the fact that we are indeed one in Christ. Now, the question is, how do we move forward? And the answer is, absolutely, we have to listen to one another. Because, you know, African-American brothers and sisters, as I have learned, they view things differently. They have different experiences. So let's try to understand one another. But then having understood each other, we turn around and we say, what can we do to help each other and to help the under-resourced communities, say, here in Chicago? Now, that is very different than what is being taught in the world. What is being taught in the world is that the oppressed have to overcome their oppressors through constant uh, conflict and constant accusations. That's not where we are at as believers. What we have to do is to move forward in Christ and show the world that indeed we are unified. Now, doing that, you know, has its uh, challenges and its difficulties, but that's what we are called to. And the Church of Jesus Christ should step to the plate and represent that in a world of constant conflict, of accusations, of anger. And we have to say, here we stand united in Christ. Yes, amen. You know, in the last year, this has been such a tough year. Um, all of us, the, the pandemic has impacted all of us. Um, ra racial uh, unrest uh, is 
has been uh, rampant in the streets, the, the, the murders of, of black people at the hands of police, uh, the, the, onset of, the onset of the pandemic. Um, and, but one of the major things that, that I've never seen before in my life is the shutdown of our communities, which impacted the church. Many churches are still shut down. The doors are still closed. Um, can you talk about how the, the spirit of darkness, how the enemy is using isolation to keep the message of Christ uh, from being advanced? When I was a young girl, I used to watch uh, mutual uh, used to I used to watch um, Wild Kingdom, which was sponsored by Mutual of Omaha, and how I would always see that young uh, deer or impala who was isolated, and then he became a prey uh, for the enemy, and then he was consumed by the enemy. Can you can you just talk about how a little bit more about that? How the enemy uses isolation to strike us with fear. You've actually raised a number of different issues. First of all, regarding churches being closed, I don't mind so much if churches are subject to some of the same other laws in the community. But what's happening is very obviously in some instances, our leadership has been targeting churches and they have been insisting that the churches be closed. And we can have a discussion about that. Is that wise or is that not wise? But the whole idea of isolation, to use your illustration, absolutely the animal channel is a great channel to watch. And what you will find is that when wolves want to catch a deer, they will always isolate the deer and they will make sure that it is no longer a part of the herd. And then they are able to get it to be weakened and then they can capture it. This is a very difficult time. The good thing is the fact that uh, we're on Zoom today. You know, the, uh, the internet has connected people and made us feel as if we are a part of, uh, you know, the society and our friends and all. But um, isolation has a terrible effect. It is leading, of course, to depression, to suicide, and all these other things. And what we must do is to recognize that while we use prudence, at the same time, it is so important for us to make sure that we don't lose the connection within the body. Yes. Let's talk a little bit further about that, because if we focus so much on everything that is going wrong, all the things that the enemy is doing, his tools and his tactics to weaken the church and weaken believers, I want to make the statement today that Jesus is Lord he is Lord over my life. He is Lord in the earth. He has believers. He is rallying believers all over the planet who are upholding the cause of Christ. Can you just encourage in the last few minutes that we have in our conversation, can you just give the, those that are watching today a word of encouragement today? Uh, first of all, I want to say that in my book, We Will Not Be Silenced, I emphasize the fact that the Church of Jesus Christ is not built on the American Constitution, even though we believe the Constitution is very important. The second thing that's so critical is for the church to understand that the true church has been here before. It is not even necessary for us to have freedom in order to be faithful. Just ask the martyrs. 
who are willing to give up their lives for the cause of the gospel. And what we need to do as Americans is to realize we're living in a different world. This isn't the America that many people grew up in. But at the same time, this is not a, an opportunity for us to shrink back, to uh, coalesce in fear. This is a an opportunity for us to proclaim the gospel, take the consequences. Businessmen have to be honest, even if they don't lose the, even if they do lose their jobs. Parents need to begin to teach their children. We need to say, here we stand. We cannot do otherwise. And it is really, if we look at it that way, a great opportunity for the church to show that we are different. And Babby, it's important for people to realize we don't have to win. We don't have to even win the culture back, though we'd like to. We don't have to win the culture back. We only have to be faithful. And I want to leave our discussion today with this challenge. What does faithfulness mean for everyone who's listening? Everyone will have a different answer. The housewife has a different answer than the businessman. The, the people who are in certain circumstances doing what they can. But each of us should ask, what does faithfulness look like to me? Because as you know, in the end, Jesus wins and someday it's going to be okay. And the question will be, were we faithful or were we not? Amen. Amen. Can you tell us, the? there's a website uh, where we can get more information about the book. Can you share that website with us? Well, I think what people can do is go wherever books are sold, ask for We Will Not Be Silenced. Even Amazon, that's a good place. There's also ChristianBooks.com. That's a very good place because they have a huge discount on books, christianbooks.com. But I'm so glad, Babby, for the opportunity to be with you. And remember the title of the book, We Will Not Be Silenced. Amen. Before we go, I want to ask you one more question, because in your last comments, you mentioned um, parents and, and children helping to shape their children and having conversations with their children. Can you just encourage parents that what... What conversation should we be having with our children today? Well, first of all, if they're going to a public school, you absolutely have to have a conversation as to what is happening and what is being taught. I remember Tony Evans saying that when their kids came home from school, they deprogrammed them, <laughs> you know. In other words, they had to find out what was being taught. The other thing is to model the Christian life, not only in words, but in deeds, and to help Christians Christian uh, children to understand the Christian worldview. Babby, in my book, I point out that the cell phone in your teenager's hand does more to inform his or her worldview than an hour of church and an hour of Sunday school. So parents need to fight this battle on multiple fronts. And it has been shown over and over again that the best way to keep children from drugs and crime and sex is to be brought up in a nuclear family where fathers love their wives and they love their children. That's the challenge and will never change America unless we re realize that. Yes. So in our last minute, that, uh, minute and a half that we have in our conversation, how can we be praying? I mean, this, this is, you can get easily overwhelmed if you look at this in a microscopic way, but how can the church be praying for um, believers today? Well, you know, when you look at the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, in his prayers, 
prayed primarily for the church. And um, the last chapter of my book is entitled, uh, where Jesus Christ said to the church at Sardis, strengthen what remains. And he goes on to say that the church, of course, no longer saw the world as an enemy, so it didn't influence the culture. The culture influenced the church. And Jesus spoke about that. But, Babby, this is what he said. He said, but there are still some people in your church who have not soiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. So what I Amen. do is I challenge Christians and say, are you among those to whom Jesus said, you have not soiled your garments, and you will walk with me in white? That's Amen. the challenge for the church, and that's where we need to stand. And from that, the courage comes. Well, thank you, Dr. Lutzer, for being my very special guest today. And thank you for uh, sharing your book, We Will Not Be Silenced, Responding Courageously to Our Culture's Assault on Christianity. Thank you for challenging us to be a voice and a light in this dark world. Appreciate your, your visit today, all right? Thank you so much, Babby, and God bless you. God bless you, too. And dear listener, we'll be right back after this break with more of Babby's House. So stick around for more of Babby's House to come. Oh, I'm so grateful that I was able to have Dr. Erwin Lutzer as my guest today. And, you know, these things can be overwhelming if we're not careful. But I want to leave you with an encouraging word from Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. It says this, and this is my word of encouragement to you. It says, let us not get tired of doing what is right, for after a while we shall reap a harvest of blessings if we don't get discouraged and give up. So, my friend, don't give up today. Stand firm. Stand on what you know from God's word and not on what you feel. And thank you so very much for watching Babby's House today. Go to my website at babby.com and check out all the encouragement, uh, encouraging resources we have there on the website for you. Well, God bless you. And thank you so very much for watching the show today. Pray for us. We'll be praying for you. Bye-bye for now. Mm -hmm.